0: Hi there, and welcome to the Christmas edition of Conversations with Father Greg. I'd like to begin our time together by wishing you a very Merry Christmas. I hope that the season is filled with warmth, joy, health, and safe travels. Now let's turn our attention to a reading from Luke's Gospel. Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth in this way. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were also shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. The Gospel of Christ May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for sharing your Christmas with us. Do you know one of my favorite things about Christmas Eve? In my mind, there's always been a real sense that the Christmas Eve service brings weeks of hustle and bustle, of planning and errands, to an end. By the time we come to church on Christmas Eve, if you haven't gotten it, whatever it is, you're not going to get it before the stores reopen in a couple of days. Whether we think we're ready or not, We don't have much of a choice but to slow down just a little bit for the next couple of days. Slowing down a little bit gives us an opportunity to spend some time with friends and family. After days of what may have been hectic preparations, it's as if someone has pressed a pause button on all of that busyness. This gives us an opportunity to consider the origins of our Christmas celebrations. Today we read about how a man named Luke described what started it all, the birth of a baby in a stable. Mary and Joseph were traveling to a small town called Bethlehem in order to comply with a government-enforced census. History tells us that Mary would have been about 14 or 15 years old. Upon their arrival, there were no rooms available. They found what shelter they could, and Mary gave birth in a stable. Clearly, it was less than ideal circumstances. Definitely not the romanticized image that we see on greeting cards. There is, of course, a plot twist. We're told that an angelic messenger from God appeared, proclaiming this child to be a gift from God who would save humanity. This message was given to a rather unexpected audience. In the first century, shepherds lived very nomadic lives and were not highly esteemed members of their society. They often moved from one place to the next with no real ties to their community. Shepherds were not wealthy landowners, they were not well educated, or a part of society's elite. In fact, they most often lived outdoors with the livestock that they had been hired to watch. In fact, the shepherds were probably the last people that you would give an important message to. Yet Luke tells us that an angel appeared to the shepherds, telling them about the birth of a very special child. The angels didn't appear in a temple or in a palace, but delivered their message to those on the margins of society. Centuries later, I think that the story of Jesus' birth is actually pretty familiar to many of us in our Western culture. We see greeting cards with angels, shepherds, and the Holy Family gathered in crush scenes. We've been hearing songs like Away in a Manger and Hark the Herald Angels Sing in malls, grocery stores, and coffee shops for weeks now. Especially at this time of year, the story of Jesus' birth is pretty tightly woven throughout our culture, so even if you don't spend a lot of time around church, the story is kind of hard to miss. I think that one of the dangers of the Christmas story is that it can become so familiar that we risk taking it for granted. If there's one part of the Christmas story that I think we often take for granted, it's that the birth of Jesus was actually a pretty radical thing. You see, the birth of Jesus introduces a new concept of God being in our midst, of God being with us in a tangible way. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see God assuming a physical body and coming to humanity, seeking out a relationship with us. Jesus' birth was not announced in palaces to royalty or in temple courtyards to priests. He was born in a stable to a teenage mom. Angels announced the birth to working-class people, to shepherds, as they lived and worked outside with their livestock. This is what it means for God to be with us, and it's an offer that does not come with an expiry date. We're told that after the resurrection, God's Spirit would continue to journey with us. With the birth of Jesus, God was beginning a new thing— a new way of interacting with the world, and that approach still continues today. This idea of God seeking out a relationship with humanity is one of the major themes that is woven throughout Scripture. Early in the book of Genesis, we read about God walking through the garden in the cool of the day, calling out to Adam and Eve. Despite a break in their relationship, God still sought them out. That searching continued all through Scripture. We see it in God's covenant with Israel. We see God searching for a relationship with humanity when he led Moses and the nation of Israel through the wilderness. We saw it when God spoke to Israel using the voices of faithful prophets. But nowhere is God's desire for relationship with humanity more evident than in the Christmas story. At Christmas, we are reminded that God showed up in person in the form of a baby. As John's Gospel puts it, God became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. At Christmas, we are reminded that we are created and loved by God. At Christmas, God is reminding you that God takes pleasure in you as a person and desires a relationship with you. At its core, Christmas is an invitation to overcome the things that isolate and divide us, both from God but also those things that separate us from each other. Overcoming these kinds of divisions is also at the heart of what we're called to do as individual people of faith and as a faith community. We learn to overcome these divisions by responding to God's invitation into relationship and then extending that same compassionate invitation to others. Jesus once prioritized relationships like this. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list, but there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything else hangs from them. This year, I would like to encourage us all to find creative ways to continue breaking down barriers and building up relationships. Let's pray. Son of God, light that shines in the dark, child of joy and peace, help us to encounter you with sincerity and be born anew this holy night. Hear this prayer for your love's sake. Amen.